Things are happening here, and I see levels, which is a good sign. My levels seem good. My levels seem good. My levels seem alright. Yeah, my levels seem okay. And then we'll do a clap as well. Three. We need a cold open. I've got one. I've got a great one, actually. Oh, great. We love it. Uh, three, two, one. All right. I don't. I, maybe I should have said great. And I don't want to put you on the spot, Fran. But I've been thinking about this a lot as Ferrari's coming out, and I'm curious. Oh. What do you think of Tokyo Vice? Oh, I watched I three. I watched three episodes of Tokyo Vice. Mm. I um, finished it. I thought I finished it too, but I think in my head I just watched three, and I was like, I'm finished. The three felt like ten. Yeah. Yeah, but I, the thing is, like, I didn't dislike it. There's so much where I see three episodes, and I'm like, oh, I like this, and I just never. Yeah, yeah. That, that's really that's that's very me. I also this will, is the curse. This yeah. is why I've been thinking about just like trying to find a TV show that is like new and good, and it's impossible. I'm like, maybe Tokyo Vice will be the one. It's really hard for me with the streaming shows that no one talks about, and I would love yes. to be someone where like I only watch stuff that no one talks about. But it's like. Sure. I would rather go through something like Mayor of Easttown, which I don't think is good and didn't really like, but everyone was talking about Mayor, and it was so funny to talk about Mayor that that was a much more enjoyable experience. Whereas, like, Tokyo Vice came out. I watched it after all the episodes were out. I was like, no one is talking about this. I have one friend who watched this show. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I was liking it. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's a good I thought Ansel was kind of good. He's always kind of good, Ivo. Yeah. <laughs> always is tough, I think. Oh, okay. I've only seen like yeah. four things that he's in. <laughs> I forgot he's in Men, Children. Women, and Children. The problem with that movie is I keep mentioning things like around Men, Women, and Children, and it just has evaporated from my brain. Well, <laughs> that movie is certainly. But I would say one of the few things that hasn't evaporated is that uh, every single performance is very bad. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Except for the one that is merely boring. Who's that? Sandler. No, he's bad. He's, he's, re- he's so boring <laughs> he's that he's like... Leave. Yeah, but that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that it does so suck, but it bad. sucks Sorry, less to turn this into I haven't right seen it yet. I don't, I don't I know, know how I feel about men, women, and children yet it. as the number one Reitman stand in the world. <laughs> um, it's really... You know, Reitman is the guy to understand like what technology is doing to us. <laughs> And he's the right one to tell. <laughs> also, that, story. that yeah, that was the time to be like, "What is technology doing to us?" In 2014, <laughs> we really were in yeah. a rough way at that point. Is yeah. this the right man who they found on Hinge then, or whatever? Or on yes, Tinder? he was on. Uh, he should he make a movie about that. App. Oh, he was on Field. Well, who yes, was Field, previously paid me for labor, so we love that. <laughs> Shout out Field. Shout out Field. Um, Thank you for the editorial money. <laughs> Reitman's dimes lining your pocket. I mean, truly. Hey. But he oh, should yeah. write. He should write a movie about that. Yeah. Now he now he has the experience. Is he? Does he? Because he's not doing the new Ghostbusters that they claim they've made, but we talked <laughs> sure. about doesn't seem to exist. Does he have like? Oh, he's. Did he say he was going to do a Saturday Night Live movie about the... That sounds... God willing. 
<laughs> about the fortieth? No, I... about the first episode. <laughs> oh, right, right, Not right, the fortieth. Right, right. The fortieth would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna like... play Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon in the? <laughs> it was the first time you had young Pete Davidson before he was really popular. <laughs> it's sort of the moment. Who's gonna play Emma Stone as Rosanna? <laughs> Rosanna Dana Dana. Oh, yeah. uh, we can't get Andy started on that. Yeah, the I'm SNL fortieth anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I'm joined by Andy Gramuga, Colin Ashley, Emilio Diaz. And uh, today we are remaining a podcast about film festivals, but we are also a podcast today about uh, music, continuing our series of coming up with things other than <laughs> movies to talk about i guess still vaguely connected to the new york film festival which is uh since ended we're gonna be talking about uh some of the music of the maestro yeah and that's right joined today by returning guest fran hoffner thank you for having me back of thanks course. for always very excited to talk about everyone's favorite REM lyric. I Which mean, is? Mm. <laughs> doesn't he just say it? <laughs> Leonard Bernstein in uh, yeah, he just the world says it. Not. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's just, they, there's like a bunch of LB names. I don't know. I don't know. I know nothing about REM. Yeah, but Fresh I know... Nev is in there, right? Oh, Andy, do I have a podcast for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fall Out Boy needs to do an updated version of uh, that. <laughs> if it's the, the end of the world, world as we know it. it. Yeah. <laughs> we can't. That, another thing. <laughs> yeah, too yes. many. <laughs> They're the ones who did the Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they did. We didn't start the fire. I, I have, have not to listened say to that. Shinzo Abe blown away. Coming, <laughs> coming up with fake We Didn't Start the Fire lyrics has been a long point of fascination, sure. just mm. socially. And I really felt mm-hmm. that when Fall Out Boy did it, it's sort of like blew up what me and my friends had going. And I don't think this is unique mm. to me and my friends. I think a lot of people no, no. just did this to be yeah. funny as a bit. But when right. it got, like, literalized and popularized, it suddenly was like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. Sure. <laughs> Whereas, was it like, like, I spent, like, an hour of a road trip trying to find, a, like, a good rhyme for, like, Kylie Jenner lip kit, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, Right, I like, was it was that. the game just how many can you string together in a row? Is that sort of what the what the point of it was? or, or just Yeah, or, yeah. like, what's the funniest pairing? Sure, yeah. Things? Right, yeah. Yeah, several years ago, me and some friends went through every element of the Billy Joel song and went, do you think, do we think Billy Joel is in favor of or against this thing? Right, whether he, whether he likes yeah. it or not, whether he likes yes. the things he I mentioned. Think, I think that I tweeted that out. Uh, I, yes. 
It would be um, interesting to do this new one for Billy Joel, not sure. Fallout. Not Boy. Patrick Stump. I have no yeah. idea what Patrick Stump's thoughts or opinions <laughs> on anything are. Well, I, I, yes. feel like I, like I feel like this is the first time I'm hearing the name Patrick Stump. No way. But... <laughs> <laughs> know me for five years, Andy. It's come up. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly Fall not. Fallout Boy is from where I'm from in Illinois. Oh. Um, yeah, I went to school with some of Patrick Stump's cousins. Um, <laughs> were they fun? Yeah, yeah, they were. They, but you know, it's like they made it known that they were related to Patrick. Mm, Stump. Sure, this is post the rise of Patrick Stump. Not to go back to we didn't start the fire, but I do remember in like sophomore year of high school, we had to listen to we didn't start the fire in an English class and come up with a new version of it. But like the teacher in just English over class. and over and we over listened and to over it in, in social studies class. Uh, sure. There was I like think, an illustrated version that had like a photo for each thing. No. And it was like, I never listened to this in school. It was like, yeah. A just, yeah, she was like, animation. come up with a modern version. <laughs> but I have Billy Joel super fan happened. parents. So it's sure. sort of like, that was sure. my school. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I just, I think I only book. grew up with it as a famously lazy song. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you what do you about? mean? <laughs> what more do you have to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, do we want to talk about? Yeah, now that some... we've got our music bona fides yeah. out there, we've all well, heard we didn't start the fire. That, I think it is worth asking Fran, who was at the New York Film Festival, what she thought of the whole thing. Maestro uh, of the New York Film Festival. Oh, the New York Film Festival, I thought was good. I thought there was sort of a a glut of movies this year in a way that actually made the... It made it sort of stressful to have, like, this embarrassment Mm -hmm. of riches. Um, (laughs) And just because I work a bunch of other jobs and three people I know got married within one week that also occurred during the New York Film Festival. Um, too many. There's a lot I had to miss. So I had, a, I had an amazing time, but I feel <laughs> like kind of embarrassed by stuff that I like didn't get to see or stuff like that. Um, I had yeah. to skip some like really big ticket stuff like Priscilla and Ferrari just because of my availability and unwillingness, I think, to pay super sure. crazy prices for the mm. like public public screenings but right. I-, I liked just about everything i saw with maybe like two exceptions you know yeah i'm coming out hard anti the beast whoa yeah we've talked about it i i still don't know <laughs> I think there we've at this point had more people on the podcast who are anti the beast than pro the beast. Whoa, is that true? I think so. Maybe not. Pro the beast. Pro the beast mentality was kind of the popular stance, even though it is pretty divisive. Yeah, very hot out of Tiff, very hot out of Venice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me, me, I'm anti the beast. Uh, yeah. I, and I, I, didn't, will... I didn't really love that Orlando documentary. Yeah, is... I also... I wish I I liked that more. I felt very like, wow, I wish I was loving this instead of not loving yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I reviewed it off a screener during Berlin and was like, it feels challenging to write a review of this that isn't slightly condescending and also the last thing i want to do is write a condescending review about 
uh, something Paul Preciado has made, but uh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's very okay. Um, but Maestro, so Maestro was screening mm-hmm. so for critics the day after the public screening, after the mm-hmm. U.S. Right. premiere, and everyone I know spent the entire two weeks leading up to that being like, how are you not going to the public premiere? Because sure, it was at right. David Geffen Hall. They were going right. to... The they renovated it they, Yeah, they kitted it out. It's already newly renovated. They added the Dolby sound like three days before doing this American premiere. And everyone kept being like, how are you not going to this? Why are you not going to this? And I was like, well, tickets to that were like, I think at minimum $80. So I was right. like, I'm not going to that. I hate emailing for stuff. Mm-hmm. If they don't know by now, you know... Right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know that you're the number one like, number one in the maestro beat in the world then yeah, yeah. Number one the call shoot. <laughs> so, <laughs> i was all set to just see the press screening with everyone else at like 12 30 yeah. p.m the next day and then the sunday before i got i got i got a link to get my tickets to the big public thing so Hell I yeah. think in part because a lot of people were not able Uh-oh. or willing to spend $80. Suddenly there were a lot of tickets that had to go very quickly. <laughs> sure. Um, That's interesting. So I got a hookup thanks to thanks to a friend and brought with me Caroline Golem, who is a New York-based filmmaker who's one of my friends. But she, like me, grew up with a lot of like Leonard Bernstein stuff in a family where it's like, yeah, this is a guy whose name we know. We both watch like young person's concerts. We sort of love him as a figure. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also someone who's really like into Star is Born. So I was like, sure. I I had seen Star is Born on a date with someone who hated it. And it just made for a very uncomfortable hour after to be like, mm-hmm. well, we simply disagree. I was like, I need to not have this experience with Maestro. I need to be with someone right. so mm-hmm. primed to like this movie. Um, yeah. And I really did love it, though. I think it is like a true. I think it's a really crazy movie. I think he's made a crazy movie again. Awesome, awesome news. And I and when people don't like it, I'm like, yeah, of course you don't. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every ten minutes of Maestro, I was like, Jesus Christ, what is he doing? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. This is. It's this so is crazy to hear that voice for two hours. The voice is so insane. And it's like. The voice is so insane, and he says a lot of really crazy stuff in that voice. It'd be one thing if he just said normal stuff, but he's saying crazy shit the whole movie. Right? He's yeah. He's on. He's on the maestro level. He's he's not. He's on the maestro level. He's being so wacky. Um, is he doing bits or all the time or well, like? He is kind of doing bits. Yeah. That's I feel like um, the, the one little bit of. Uh, Leonard Bernstein dialogue that I got in the preparation for this episode, which is the little introduction he does to the recording of Age of Anxiety uh, that I listened to. He does like a bit or two in there. Sure. He's definitely like a silly goose. Yeah. There's, uh, I'm very like recently getting into him in the past couple of years. And there's the great um, like making of, or like behind the scenes of the, recording of the west side story with like the opera singers yeah and uh there's a really funny part where they're like doing the big like walk into the gym music and uh the like tech people are like we got to do it again you know the trombones or whatever and he's like just roasting the guy relentlessly and it's so funny (laughs) yeah 
He's like, yeah, I've never heard he's, anything so perfect in my life. He's really like a big personality. And I think yeah. people expected something a little more reverent. Uh, and I think it's like, to me, it feels like a greater indication of praise that I know people are like, have scrolled through reviews where they're like, this thing can never be successful because it has too much estate approval. The estate was too involved. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I've seen things that were like, if the goal of the movie was for me to hate Leonard Bernstein, it succeeded. And the fact that like Mm -hmm. these two things are at odds. And I very much came out of this like, if someone made a movie like this about like one of my parents, I would lose my fucking mind. Like, I'd be so (laughs) like, what the hell is wrong with you? And... A way that I think is cool. Like, that the Bernstein kids are okay with this movie at all, I think is so insane also. And maybe they're just putting yeah. on a good face. But, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a or, really genuine... I think it is a truly crazy movie. And the emotional weight of it works, I think, best in sort of hindsight on the whole. But on a scene-to-scene, it is sort of, like, up and, mm. up and down. I feel like it's Very also entirely possible that the Bernstein kids are like, finally, someone sees our father as we saw our father. Fucking crazy guy who no one would ever want to deal with. Yeah, like a crazy gay guy also. Right. Um, they're not even sort of trying, I think, to be like, and his sexuality was complicated. They're just like, <laughs> he's uh-huh. a gay guy with a wife. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And is and isn't that crazy? Which I'm sort of like, well, when you put it like this, yeah. <laughs> um, What's the deal? Do we know what? I don't want to like get too deep into this, but are, do we know what Netflix is doing theatrically? I don't. Am I gonna have to like do. drive so far to see this? I movie? know. I, I can say that the plan, the what seems to be happening with the killer, at least here, is it is getting a single screening a day at only Alamo Draft House theaters. <laughs> so fucked up. I know. So, yeah. I don't know if that's a, a new Netflix thing or just the the Fincher special. My my, my art house is definitely getting it. I went last okay. night. I saw they I saw Sweeney Todd uh at my art house and they played a trailer for Maestro the trailer for Maestro before. And I think the trailer says November, but they said they're getting it in early December. So I think they're doing sure, some sure. sort of a platform. Oh, yeah, I yeah. guess the only... it's opening Thanksgiving at the Paris here in New York, and then okay. Christmas on Netflix. But I think for that month, it's gonna do a kind of. I think it's not only playing at the Paris here. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess the only net- other Netflix movie that I've gotten any indication is playing here is Nyad, which does seem to be getting a slightly more normal. <laughs> Uh, no brother for whatever reason <laughs> don't get Andy started I was saying, yeah. Andy's maestro <laughs> Andy likes I, Nyad right Andy I, loves I, 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 I lost my mind at Nyad it's all I, I, I similarly I think it's a crazy movie that is it really, looks really, really insane wild. there's a lot of like big visual choices uh, Annette Benning, uh wears a, an ET suit to avoid jellyfish uh, at one point she just sort of like marches out onto the beach, holds up a bugle and plays it, and then dives in and starts swimming. Uh, there's awesome. a lot of crazy stuff in Nyad, uh, and it's fun to say Nyad. I think so. That's of course. Also I think it's so funny Andy. in the trailer when she's like, "I can only be the best Nyad that I am," or whatever. <laughs> Just so like, so you know which one is the Nyad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're not here to talk about Nyad. We're here to talk about Maestro. We're here to talk um, about Maestro. Okay. Um, the ni- the naiad else... of classical music. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh-huh. Does anyone else have any kind of uh, 
relationship with Leonard Bernstein because I really don't, and I sure. think cause th- I, the the only thing I feel like I like barely was aware of him as more than like a name and probably knew he was a conductor until like several years ago uh my grandparents were like oh they're doing uh on the town nearby we should go clearly in a like oh it's leonard bernstein we we have to go so they seem Mm -hmm. to have been assuming that i would have that sort of relationship uh with him which I suppose my mother was derelict in her duties of passing that down. If you had asked me who Leonard Bernstein was in was in 2017, I would not have been able to tell you that <laughs> sure, is my relationship. Fair. Sure. Yeah. I, I um yeah I I have a pretty long standing you know I uh I did West Side Story in 10th grade. Mm-hmm. I played Doc in West Side Story in 10th grade and. I was already pretty Sondheim familiar at that point. I had done Into the Woods Jr. in middle school. So the and I was like very interested in theater and all that stuff. And so sort of the the West Side story as like a all these greats coming together thing where it is Bernstein, Sondheim, Robbins, Lawrence mm-hmm. as like the four like architects. It was of your like, chicken foot. Yeah, like and so and I think I knew a little bit about like the relationship between Sondheim and Hammerstein and all that, so I was like really getting a sense of like the history and the scale of all of that. So, and I imagine I had probably seen the West Side Story movie at some point before 10th grade when I had when I was in it, but um but that's really when I was like, "Oh, this guy is something special and interesting." I didn't engage too much with non West Side Story stuff um until like college or later. Like I I definitely I, I wasn't super familiar with On the Town for a long time until I saw it on stage uh, in, in 2014. And um, yeah, like Candide, we'll talk about it. I there There's a the, the, the concert version of Candide that I rewatched. I had I saw at some point in my like, I just have to consume as much musical theater adjacent stuff as possible. And I think I knew the like the legend of Candide where he was like he was working on it at the same time as West Side Story thing. Um, uh, at some point in my West Side Story experience. So that's sort of, you know, a pretty, I feel like a pretty typical, like, becoming acquainted with with Leonard Bernstein is, is like, yeah, your your school does West Side Story um, uh, experience for me. Yeah. Colin, did you know Bernstein? Oh, I, I knew, like, I think I'd memory hold it, but I did have, like, uh, a familiarity with like his Peter and the Wolf as a child, and like oh sure, um, yeah. new sort of things like that, and then just like get more into the classical music side and like his conducting work, and then more pivoted into his writing and composing. But like yeah, you know, mostly familiar with him just conducting these days. Yeah. Um. I mean, as for myself, I feel like I'd long been familiar with the young person's concerts, young people's concerts. Uh, yeah. Because I started playing classical music when I was, like, five or six. So these do feel, like, sure. a little bit ingrained as, like, mm-hmm. a family-friendly thing that could go on that would both educate and amuse me. Yeah. And then uh, I did marching band in high school, which mm. became a huge part of my personality. But the theme of the show that we did 
and it was like my freshman year was like the longtime director's final year before retiring so he was really like pulling out all the stops right. and the theme <laughs> of the show was h2o oh. and so it it was all sort of structured around on the waterfront without being like on the waterfront themed necessarily and so i spent like a huge amount of my freshman year being consumed by the on the waterfront score and then <laughs> i had an orchestra director who was really all about like if you have nothing to do during your lunch period come to my office and we'll watch young people's concerts like sure on my laptop so like leonard bernstein youtube was sort of some of my earliest yeah. youtube usage as like a teen mm-hmm. online uh, but I don't think I saw West Side Story until I was like 26 or 27. And I think had mm-hmm. not even put two and two together. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew On the Town, but I always mix it up with Anchors Away. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 Because I think I was obviously aware of West Side Story, but I don't think my brain ever made like the Leonard Bernstein connection more than it did like mm. Sondheim and Robbins and all the other. Yeah. Snapping. Yeah, snapping, obviously. Snapping, The, the yeah. three greats, Sondheim, Robbins, and snapping. <laughs> you joke. <laughs> um, so, so how are we going to start the, this discussion? You gave us an order, Andy. Yeah, like, yeah, so I, I, what I think, what I, the, the sort of like, so Fran uh, graciously uh, picked out four pieces for us to discuss this mm-hmm. week. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about them in chronological order. And I also think <laughs> Fran did a very good job, also because it is sort of like it's a lot of different fronts of what he did because he was like such a a musical omnivore. Like he was really like American popular and classical music. He like really had his hand in like all sort of fronts of it throughout mm-hmm. his career. Um, and so we're gonna talk on the town. Uh, the musical comedy he uh, wrote uh, the music for with uh, uh, Comden and Green writing the lyrics. Uh, Symphony Number no. Two: The Age of Anxiety. Uh, On the waterfront, the the score he wrote for the film, and then Candide, his operetta um, that he wrote. So that's that that's the order we're going to talk about. So we'll we'll start with On the okay. Town. I will um, I will say, Andy, that's very funny that you say he had his hand in all fronts of American popular music during the time. I uh, mean, like uh, my popular classical sort of like yeah. Sure, my experience of American music from the second half of the 20th century, uh, I would say, mostly includes uh, nothing that he touched at all. Sure. Uh, yeah, I you know more more obviously more on the classical side, but like on, in, sure, but like. But even, know. like, I mean, I don't know. The, the like, what I think of as classical music from that time is also, like, very conceptual stuff that I am not aware of him ever having been involved in. Sure. No, and uh, he and the conceptual guys kind of had beef. Or, like, the conceptual guys right, had, right. had a lot of beef with him, and he was always right. sort of just like, leave me alone. Like, right. <laughs> it's not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, On the Town... One of two musicals he wrote with town in the title, because uh, Wonderful Town was also him, uh, which is <laughs> okay. something I always get mixed up in my head, uh, I believe. Um, and then um, uh, this is uh, 1954 musical comedy. Uh, it is uh, set... 44. Or 44, excuse me. 1944 musical comedy. It is set in New York City over the course of 24 hours with three sailors who are on leave and are trying to go on the town and see all the sights and, and have an experience on, on their shore leave uh, uh, with, with these, these Navy guys. Um, it, uh, 
there is a film adaptation of it, but the film only uses like two of the, his songs and then some yeah. of his music, his yeah. the, the dance music, um, and then replaces it with a lot. I believe the reasoning was that the music was like too complex for film audiences or something. <laughs> like it was that was sort of like the reason that they sure. were like, we can't have someone singing about how I can cook two or whatever in this. Literally, <laughs> I watched the movie version like two years ago. Yeah. Um, and re-listening i was like i know like i have a bad memory but did i forget like every single song <laughs> and then you were saying in like the group chat that they like you're like don't watch the movie they don't use all the songs <laughs> avoid 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 and i was just like yeah okay and so many i mean we don't need to get into this now i guess but some of the songs are so funny it is and it's like and you sort of hear what you mean when you listen to the full score of like that like his music is like got a lot going on. It's like yes. I think like it's big and brassy and full of like all these like complex sort of like interesting ideas and like point counterpoint sort of stuff. And then when you watch the movie and like they're the, like the title song is them just going like we're on the town da, 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 yeah. like over and over again and it's like oh this is what they wanted for the movie I understand. Um but like even in the stuff that they keep, which is like the the, the two big numbers are um, the the New York, New York, um, and then um, let's go to my place, uh, which is such like a a tour de force of like rhythms, <laughs> both of them. I feel like of just like you feel the like the the like it's it is like the pulse of the city is like weirdly captured in them. Like I feel like yes, I New agree. York, New York is such an amazing song. I think yeah. you can like. <laughs> feel the people like pointing at neon signs that are like going by them <laughs> like it's so puts you in the place yeah there i had maybe anticipated in watching maestro that there would be more west side story and less on the town and i was very relieved that it was <laughs> the opposite in part because yeah. i think on the town wound up being a much more significant like artistic achievement for bernstein mm-hmm. but also i just think i think that score might actually just be better when it comes wow. down to it, I'll say it. I'm sort of West Side Storyed out, though. I'm like, get the shit. Sure, away from sure, me. sure. Yeah, maybe he was too. He was like, Steve spent a bunch of time on that. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, the one I always really like in uh, on the town is the is Lucky to Be Me. Yeah. Which I think is an amazing song, and he wrote for a different musical initially. With a slightly different title, but the big thing I got out of, like, the big letter collection is that he, like, graduated from his analyst and then wrote that song. <laughs> uh, after, I think, like, another year and a half of, like, going to therapy to try to figure out what's up with him. Sure. Uh, which not even Meister the movie can really figure out. Yeah. The ones that, like, of the in- individual songs that stuck out the most on this listen were come up to my place just because it's like it's so funny and the the way that they keep switching up the like the hey why for did you stop and like every single time it's different was just making me laugh and laugh and laugh yeah and it felt like i mean this is going to sound more derisive than i am thinking of it but it just feels like a fuck around kind of the whole (laughs) musical i'm just like they're having fun they're just like doing bits 
like on both lyrically and musically, right. I think. And it's just, it's great to hear it. It's just so funny. Yeah. And like, so buoyant. It is like, yeah, it's a musical comedy. Like, you know, musical yes. theater yes. at the, at that point sure. was like getting more complex and like people were getting more ambitious in the sort of stories and stuff they were telling. But this is much more rooted in like the <laughs> earlier era of like, we're just going to have some funny characters and they're going to do bits in the <laughs> scenes and then they'll sing a funny song or like a, a crazy song or they'll do like a, like a really like big dance and like there's all these sure. uh, like flip off ex- the walls right there's all these excuses where it's like where the, the the excuse for a dance number is just like you these characters have to do a dance for some reason in front of <laughs> everyone or uh or it's mm-hmm. it's it's like a dream it's a it's a very simple like a, a a flimsy excuse for a dream ballet for them to just do like the complex choreography and there's like not much connection to the plot but it is oh, just yeah. like an excuse to have like five to ten minutes of dance music and like some really complex like uh, effective choreography um so it's like yeah it's less concerned with with like telling like a, a big meaningful story and more just like let's 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 do all the bits we can and like explore yeah. all these different like musical ideas and everything all all together yeah i think that that makes sense and i was getting all that a little more i think like it's even just like seeing cullen say like wow this is so funny before i started listening to it because i my my reaction seeing it at like 20 or ever or whatever was like uh what are they doing bordering on who thought this was okay (laughs) Uh, and it it makes more sense is like okay i i it is funny i see that now yeah I can They're cook too. Also, so funny. Yeah, yeah, I did. I I did also look up reviews of that production <laughs> last week and was like, oh, people thought this production was bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. sure. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think they were maybe not using most of the original choreography. It sounded like. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I could not get a handle on what people didn't like about it but yeah sure i yeah i i saw the the 2014 broadway revival um uh which was like it 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 was one of those every once in a while we'll get one of those revivals that's like we are getting like the full 30 piece orchestra like sort of deals which is always like super exciting and like that's like when that's what they're sinking their money into uh is having like a full orchestra and so it really and that also that production i don't know if anyone listened to the new broadway 2014 version is is the version they listened to but they they moved the the overture to the entre act and they just played the star spangled banner at the beginning uh as like a weird like patriotic thing and like everyone stood up uh, it was very strange, <laughs> like, like we were at a baseball yeah. game or whatever. Um, <laughs> Everyone stood up. So yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, it was uh, a, a few of these I listened to like while I was walking to work, and this one was so just like bouncy and like that that opening, you know, the the first act of it is so just like everything's moving around that it mm-hmm. shaved like ten minutes off of my time that it usually takes me to get to work. I was just. <laughs> Moving too much to the music. Mm-hmm. It's great music to like commute or to exercise yeah. too. I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think this show is also like a good example of the kind of music that like Bernstein felt very hemmed in by, like mm-hmm, later sure. in his career. Even though I think like quote unquote like for what it is, like I think it is quite brash and exciting and like yeah. almost a little experimental ish, but. I'm always kind of compelled by 
like artists, artists of the past and what they had to do to make mm-hmm. money versus what they actually wanted to be doing because sure. this is just sort of a perpetual thing. Um, sure. I always think about this. There's a great old like 19th century novel called New Grub Street about like aspiring British writers who are so sick of having to write novels because all they want to do is write political essays. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this is like, there could not be a more like opposite economy today. Um, yeah. But Bernstein had sort of the arthur sullivan thing of just like a guy who's really good at writing musicals who really just wants to be writing symphonies and then is very annoyed that people only really know him as the musicals guy yeah that's funny yeah um yeah and i think like you know it it is like because also the other thing is like this is based on like a ballet he did with jerome robbins um called fancy free um, and so it is sort of like, I believe, some of the early days of that relationship, which was like, you know, it, it does sort of become like who, like all, like, you know, the myth of it is like all these geniuses at this time, like in 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 the American musical theater who are all like bringing like their own genius to each element of the, either whether it's Jerome Robbins with the dance or Leonard Bernstein with the music and all that. Um, and I do, yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting to see like as he goes on uh, and like, with these later things, they are more like two of them are are solely Bernstein, um, like musical uh, mm-hmm. sort of sort of uh, things, and then uh, Candide is also like it is a Leonard Bernstein project first and foremost, and then there's like a lot of other collaborators, and we'll talk about all the or I'm sure we'll mention like all yeah. the revisions that work has gone through and all the different collaborators who have worked on it. Um, but yeah, this this one it is like yeah, it's it's it is an early sort of arrival and. Uh, of of him as like the, you know he's 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 bringing this um this energy to and, and and meeting up with with other geniuses also yeah just you mentioning um unfavorable reviews the one that is like pull quoted on wikipedia is from the new york times uh where someone said that the music is worn less well Sound like sub Puccini filtered through Glenn Miller, which is a real slam. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, that's from one of the revivals, I think, because it was. Oh, oh, is it? Oh. Yes, because they were talking oh. about like, oh, how has the music aged or whatever? Um, sure, sure, sure. The I see. Production. Well, even still, <laughs> it can never catch a break. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think... you know, it. Go ahead. Oh no, Hugo! I just mean it's it's it is like. It's not done as much, I think. Like, there's there's been a few major revivals. It's not, like... It's very technically hard to do, I think. So there's not, like... Mm-hmm. You don't do it as often in, like, schools or whatever, which is often the lifeblood of, of musical sure. theater uh, and stuff. And it's so, a little body. Yeah, and, like... And, and, and yeah. it's just, like, there's, like... The big dances are, are really tough, and the... And, like, the... the you know, there's... It, it, it really does... Like, hearing it just on piano, I think, would be really tough. Like, so, like, you do kind of want that big orchestration with it. Yeah. Um, And, like... And it's not, like, a huge, necessarily, like, acting challenge or anything. Um, So it is maybe, a, a, you know, it's... You're, 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 you're trying to find people who can do, do the bits, um, which I think is maybe sometimes a little bit tougher in, in school mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, so, you... you, you, you it, 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 so yeah, it doesn't sort of have quite the same place in the in the canon of like, well, we got to have every generation has to have its, you know, have it have its on the town in the way that sort of every sure. generation has to have its West Side Story. I sure. feel like, uh-huh. um, but I do think yeah, it's like it's a it's a great 
and I and I'm so glad when people do decide to do it and like really invest in in making it work because I think there is so much joy to be found in it. Yeah, definitely excited to see how it plays into the movie. Yeah, yes, it's it's big. It's big movie. Um, it's yeah. It's really just sort of reveals to me a thing I feel like we have less and less of, which is a thing that is maybe like a thematic trifle, but is so technically impressive yeah. because mm-hmm. now I think even like even musical theater, but even like film and otherwise things that mm-hmm. are thematically a trifle, like the the action or the choreography of it is really not all that cool either and then you're left with something that's kind of nothing Mm -hmm. um whereas some of just like yeah this original sort of choreography is really astounding and like i i love steven sondheim but like west side story Mm -hmm. is not one of my big shows and i think i'll always sort of go to bat for some of the more fluffier Broadway Bernstein because it feels mm-hmm. uh, just technically more thrilling and not bogged down in its own sort of like attempts towards balance, thematic or otherwise. Sure. Like I don't mind that on the town is kind of stupid ultimately. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Just because I feel like that must have been a crazy thing to do if you were a soldier on leave for a weekend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is to go to the big like, city and like got the, see theater. These guys got the right idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, they're sort of onto something. They, they they do have the my like take on vacation, which is just like, what if I do nine the nineteen things you can do at this one place, and I just try to fit it <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, this. Yeah, you, you yeah. modeled your uh, pre uh, Tiff New York jaunt on on the town. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. I went to see Annie Baker, and then I walked around Times Square. I pointed at things, <laughs> met a nice lady. That was my yeah. That's how did I you see the birthday. Annie Baker? Yeah, I saw it uh, on September eighth. Yeah, my birthday right before Annie did too. Uh, did you like it? Yes. Yeah, me too. Good. It's very yeah. good. I'm sure. Yeah, I, she did it I, again. I, yeah. I feel no like someone no one's will cooking at that do it here next season would be my guess. My main take was like, wow, that theater is very small. But uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, I guess I don't really. I had less on the town takes than I thought. I guess more like I was listening to Times Square a lot, and be, it just like since my main familiarity with Bernstein at that point because it was the first thing I listened to was like that and West Side Story, I was just, like, curious about his relationship with, like, Latin rhythms, I guess, just, like, sure. mm-hmm. that sort of bounciness in his music. But I guess, like, it's one of those things where you mentioned it was just, like, all these people bringing in their genius, where it's, like, well, I don't know if maybe that's a Jerome Robbins thing, where he was just into that style of dance, so he composed more things that sure. were in that vein. My impression is that that's a Bernstein thing that he sort of yeah. took from Copeland. Um, mm. Because Copeland has this really sort of like a fascination I think with with Mexico and spent a lot of time in Mexico but also does his like Mexican serenade um I think like Copeland brings to New York this very like wild westish kind of sensibility in the American music that I think is you know doing I think it's this, like, sort of weird balance of, like, something that is definitely culturally appropriating, but that Copeland sees as this, like, 
I don't know, like almost like hyper masculine, like fantasy as to just like <laughs> be a guy in Mexico just doing his own thing. And all these guys spend a lot of time on vacation there. And I think we're just sort of obsessed with like being on being doing on the town, but in Mexico. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they were they were like Bernstein, Copeland, like a lot of these guys were kind of just in this this sort of click that all travel together and their music really kind of washes mm-hmm. into each other. But whenever I hear that sort of like distinctive Latin influence, I feel like that that kind of kicks off with Copeland's um mm. Western work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cuz it's so like I these just... are guys from New York. Like they don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're yeah. not from Tulsa or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting cuz it's obviously like you know, West Side Story, there was a gigantic Puerto Rican population in New York at the time, and it does sort of feel like natural to sort of, if you're making a thing about New York, to sort of explore that musically a little bit, even though what you mentioned is interesting because it does sort of speak to the thing I've thought, which is that, like, West Side Story doesn't really sound like Puerto Rican music, really. It's not really that kind of a thing of just, like, the sort of salsa influence things that were happening in new york around that time like with like lafania all-stars and Hector Lavoe and people like that uh except i think the spielberg movie does have a, does sound a little bit more of that which is interesting because it's like it's not original music obviously and i do wonder maybe it's just an instrumentation difference that sort of helps that leap, leap happen i feel like the dudamel adaptation yeah of that score tried to rectify and i think pretty successfully did um mm-hmm. But the, like, nature of having sort of the Puerto Rican population represented in West Side Story feels to me like set dressing to Bernstein and to those guys. Like, they're not out on the streets talking to Puerto Ricans. (laughs) Like, I don't think he really knows a Puerto Rican. But he's like, I see these guys in my city and I wonder, like, what's up with these guys? Uh, Yeah, what's your life? (laughs) it It feels very just, like, using his imagination... Sure. Well, and then there's, yeah, the yeah. Fa- famously West Side Story was originally East Side Story, and it was about Catholics and, 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 and Jews. Like, oh, that's where right. Was, they where, should do and that. Then they, yeah. And then, yeah. Um, I think and now then, more than ever, that's what we need. <laughs> East Side Story. <laughs> God, yeah. can you imagine? That'd be so awesome. You're <laughs> um, right. And it was like set over Passover or an Easter or whatever. It was like the, oh, like yeah. the original. The original take, yeah. Um, it's a good take. You know, it, there's it. certainly drama there. There's certainly drama to explore there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y'all can have that one. East <laughs> <laughs> Side Story. It doesn't even roll off the tongue as well. Well, I mean, you've no. heard West Side Story for Maybe 20 it, whatever yes. years, Cullen. So, um, uh, yes. Does anyone else have anything they want to say about on the town before we move on no um, i guess it, uh, the only other thing is like uh whenever i saw somebody parodying a musical for a long time sure it it, it was like you know like sailors on leave or whatever yeah. and it was mm-hmm. just like a guy like you know like hail caesar or whatever sure and sure sure i guess i thought that was more of a general thing and now i'm realizing mm-hmm. it's like seems to be mostly this plus a little bit of other stuff and it's uh sure it, it is sort of interesting to listen Sa- yeah. to that kind of a thing for the first time sailors are big yeah th- there's anything goes to which is all set on a boat yeah. um i mean a lot of sailors 
are at New York. <laughs> sure. The, Angels the, the, Away is the one that has the... The little mouse t- dance. The mouse. Yeah, which I know yeah. from Family Guy originally. Of I course. I was going to say, but I didn't want to distract. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Of course, it's... love when he dances with Stewie. That's how I probably saw Gene Kelly for the first time. <laughs> I probably saw that so many times <laughs> as a teenager, and I've never seen the original. Thing. I only learned that was like... The original is like three hours long, right? It's so long. It's really boring. I mean, that scene rocks, but it's yeah. like, you really got to work to get there. And then once it's over, you're like, get me out of here. Yeah. Why wasn't yeah. that Stewie? What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, you're not I, really I, losing I, anything I, by yeah. it not being stupid. I don't yeah. want to <laughs> keep uh, hinting, but we did just get our generation's uh, sailor on leave in New York story, which is, of course, she came to me. Ooh! Oh, so this is the Rebecca Miller. Yeah, yeah. It, we're getting kind of the movie of the year. We'll get to it. We're guessing. It's, yeah, it's the movie of the moment, certainly. <laughs> yeah, um, the one thing I did, okay, I, I have realized... no idea how to read when when you all <laughs> no, are like I ge- this about I the movie. I'm like, think I don't great. know where I'm I not... am. Have you seen it... the trailer? I feel like the father and the father. When you're, when you're like, <laughs> it's the movie of the year I... about something I don't know that much about. I haven't seen the trailer. I just know of this movie. The trailer uh, awesome. very intentionally does not let you know. Like, yeah. Uh, half of what it is it 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 started as a bit and then i saw it and was like oh no this is actually great it started as not a bit right that trailer is great it was it started as like oh wouldn't it be cool if this movie was good yes Uh, and then it's actually good we're putting all our tips on the rebecca miller movie about peter dinklage (laughs) directing opera and with or writing an opera excuse me and then it's just like yeah it's very distinctly not directing the opera yeah yeah um one other but thing anyway. that, that I that I've, I I realized I forgot to mention about on the town is it has that great device that used to be very common. I feel like in musical comedy that they don't really do anymore, where you would do like a chunk of a song and then ha- have an applause break built in and have an instant reprise built in, where it was always like the audience is going to want more of this instantaneously. <laughs> like they're going to want to give a hand and then like, we're going to give it like, they're going to like not even realize we're giving them another round of it. And they're going to like lose their minds for it, which I, <laughs> I love uh, as a part of the musical comedy form of like, yeah, I know how good this is that I'm building in. Like I'm going to do it three times in a row and you're going to lose your shit every time for it. <laughs> so um, that's, that's something I really like about uh, on the town. Andy, what do you think was like the last musical that felt like this. It's such a retro Break. thing. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Um, that's a good question. I don't know, like, because right, because everything is always so, like, modern, weighty now. And I guess like it weirdly, I think it often is like stuff where it is like from a movie or whatever. Now, like. Like, I weirdly think of, like, Beetlejuice the musical, which has been in the news lately. Oh, okay. But but there is, like, there's a certain amount of, like, they're going to get to the stuff from the movie that you know, where it's, like, they're going to do Deo or whatever in that, which sort of has, I think, some of that energy. And then also we're going to have, like... The main character is Beetlejuice. Like they, they have to change a lot for the movie. Obviously, they like Beetlejuice in. I'm summoning him so much. Now. I know you said uh, so many times. Uh, that, like he, they have to put him in the whole thing, and so he becomes sort of like a, a. He is in conversation with the audience the whole time, and so there is sort of a little more of that, like that, 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 like 
old school like comedy bits feeling where it's like one song is just going to be about how all the what are all the scares we can do that sort of sort of thing um yeah i guess yeah I, I, yeah, I don't know if there's anything that is quite as pure as this, but I do. It's probably it probably would have to be some sort of a, a, um, a, a adaptation of a comedy of a big studio comedy movie. Um, is I, I guess Tootsie sort of had some of that ener- old old school energy too, uh, mm-hmm. the Tootsie musical, um, yeah. which uh, had its charms for me. I don't know. There's there's obviously <laughs> a lot of problems with that material, but um, uh, David Yazbek I think uh, is a great. He is actually kind of a great musical comedy writer. Like he did um, "Dirty Rotten Scoundrels," the musical, which is has is very funny and fun. Um, he's done a couple of other like big comedies like that. In his, in between his like, he'll do like a big comedy adaptation, then he'll do like an art house film adaptation because he also did "Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown" and "The Van's Visit." Oh, cool. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the problem with trying to do something classical now, and I'm a very much not plugged in sure everyone's voices sound too current it is it is tough yeah and especially like and for a lot of this like one of the reasons i think it's tough to do on the town today is like you need to really fucking be able to dance and like it's hard to Mm. cast like and you can't cast like big celebrities you have to cast like tony yazbek who's like an old school pro who can sing dance and act but like he's not like super super well known so that's that is sure, some of the reason really that some of this this older stuff can yeah, be tougher to do. This maybe was part of the problem with the production I saw here is they just could not find those people to spend uh, a month and a half or whatever in only. Yeah, yeah. Well, should we move on to the next one? Sure, sure. Up next, we're talking Symphony Number no. Two. Yes, the Age of Anxiety, which is a, a, a adapted from a poem. I guess adapted yes. is maybe the wrong Alden. word. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, Cullen, when you said his Peter and the Wolf, Cullen, that did excavate me. Oh yeah, I think we did listen to that just like in elementary school, which was interesting to have that excavate because I was almost thinking I was thinking of that a little bit while listening of like oh yeah this has that like it's a vi- even it's not necessarily as clear from listening to it what the narrative might be but like it's much clearer than like usually when i listen to classical music i'm just like i'm an idiot this sounds interesting but i'm not connecting it to any sort of narrative whereas this i was like Oh yeah, I can see like instruments being characters and what the that these motifs are signifying some sort of narrative beat. It felt uh a lot like that in a way that like even having no familiarity with Alden like felt a little like almost overdetermined. Not not in as bad a way as that sounded, but just like very like kind of obvious for being this like it's a symphony yeah I don't know. what did it how did everyone else respond to this one this one similarly to where i was walking to work as i was listening to on the town i was walking to work listening to this and i was late and it was great <laughs> story for that because i was anxious and it definitely reflected you know, that back at yeah you. and it's very <laughs> but this one is maybe piece that we listened to that I responded to the least which is odd because 
I mostly know. I guess it is not the same thing, but I I I, I mostly associate him with you know just standard classical music mm-hmm. symphonies. Um, but I don't know. There's something about it. It just felt a little minor. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I just said a bunch of things that sound negative about it and it probably is the one that i responded to the most positively and that it is just like the closest to something i would actually listen to sure uh, sure not to talk about uh i love this symphony i think Mm -hmm. it's amazing i think it's a really interesting work in terms of like where impressionistic and romantic and modernist music comes out of in the Mm -hmm. early 20th century into some of the like more crazy atonal stuff that would come later just feels like this real linchpin so to speak uh and i think that like later movement called the mask which is like the jazz mm-hmm. solo jazz piano is like mm-hmm. maybe the coolest and best thing that bernstein mm-hmm. just ever put to put to paper i think that is such a moving and evocative section of it this is like a piece i i didn't really know because i grew up with him more as like a conductor mm-hmm. and composer's musical so like i had to get into the more serious stuff later on mm-hmm. and this is mm-hmm. always the one that i think resonated the most and feels like his most political in a way. Cause I think sure. he was often like accused of like a, a politicism. And I think the movie would have, if you believe this is a guy who has no idea who's president, but uh, <laughs> I think he was <laughs> quite political. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was listening to it, I was thinking, I just, I at one point made the connection to what it was reminding me of, and then I couldn't get it out of his head, which was tough, which is that the entire time I was listening to it, I was thinking of the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild score. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Because I think that thing, that score, which is obviously very inspired by, like, Joe Hisashi uh, Ghibli scores, they're the only thing I've listened to that are in a similar vein of just, like, sort of... You know, like strings in the back, but then very piano forward, like ang- anxiety inducing, just like twinkling in that way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I like that music. So I guess I like this. And it, it's interesting to see uh, something like that being put out in the 60s. And I wonder, like, what's the like, if there is any connection of influence or it's just like two different people arriving at a similar conclusion regarding like that style of piano playing and the sort of emotions that it elicits with like, you know, wonder, anxiety and those sorts of emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the piece that it reminded me of just you saying that reminded me again is, um, the Siegfried ideal, ideal, the, uh, the, um, Wagner. And mm-hmm. I, uh, it's also similarly like sparse piano at certain points. And uh, it did remind me of that a bit. Um, yeah. It's, it, this is the one. Yeah. I have, I have, I'm sort of, ha- I have the toughest time sort of articulating my response to it. And I'm like, it is, I think it, it, it is, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on and it is something I feel like I've, it, it does make me think a lot about like what I've lost in my life of like, mm-hmm. I took, mm-hmm. um, 
Like, I, I played violin, like, 4th grade through 12th grade in school, and, like, 11th and 12th grade, I took, like, music theory class in high school and stuff, and I do, like, I knew a lot about music back then, and, like, I had a lot more appreciation of, like, orchestral classical music, and I feel like I've lost a lot of that in my adulthood, <laughs> like, the the vocabulary and the the attention span for, for, for that sort of thing. I probably, it's something I you know, in a, in a personal growth area, I'm like, I should start like trying to go see like this, the, you know, the, the Rochester <laughs> Philharmonic Orchestra or something again, and like try to get that knowledge and, 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 you know, part of myself back. Cause it is something I feel like I really lost since high school. Um, sure. but sliding door. Yeah. You know, um, but, but I do like, I think it is, you know, this is, it's, it's, it's about, a half an hour long, a little over half an hour long, I think, the whole thing. The recording I listened to was, like, a live recording where you could hear people coughing and stuff in the background, which is uh, uh, always... I, 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 I appreciate the, 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 the color that gives to things. Um, and, yeah... You know, it, not yeah. to interrupt. No, go ahead. But when I went and saw uh, a performance of Amadeus live last year, in the lobby they had these... Uh, you know, big things filled with lozenges. And I was like, why do they have these? This is crazy. <laughs> and it's because someone's always coughing in the crowd. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. Well, I needed like them back then. At, at most orchestral performances, you, they, they have lozenge dispensers. Um, yeah, I was in heaven. Yeah, you, you, you're, a, you're a cough drop aficionado. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and they were stocked with Hall's regular cherry. Nothing too exciting, but just the idea of them being there. <laughs> sure. Call it, call it in the pocket of Big Ricola. <laughs> big lozenge yeah i'm all about the vicks vapo cool these days yeah um but yeah i mean and then and then like the way that it is structured where it's it's split up over two tracks that each have like seven movements within them or i might be getting the vocabulary wrong about how you refer to these i guess variations um yeah and, and like the i do like the the dynamics and the contrast and stuff throughout the piece like it it is like it 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 requires a piece of focus from my brain that I'm like I feel like I had it one time and I don't quite have as much anymore and I want to get it back cuz I feel like there is a lot to to get out of out of something like this that I I I I feel like I am missing but I do like listening to it I I do feel like I'm like I'm like there's a lot to this like this is like a like there's a lot of uh of merit to this and i and i and i feel like i'm only able to scratch the surface with it in in the way that i'm currently am built to take it and appreciate art <laughs> sure. yeah i mean i've talked about this on the podcast recently that i'm in my music era which is mostly me being joking about me listening to a bunch of albums but i do think i have a reason i am doing it is to sort of get practice in being a more active listener of music which i think i have been bad at in the past where it's just like whenever i am listening to music it is usually as background noise yeah absolutely which is i think why i sometimes i've in the past been struggled with albums because i'm just like yeah this is just a thing that is happening and it's Mm -hmm. not something i'm like particularly getting like movements or like changes out of that much and i think doing that i think better prepared me for something listening to something like age of anxiety and being able to sort of get sort of like an arc and a structure out of it that i probably wouldn't have had before yeah but i also think it's just like really well written and like i think it sort of Mm -hmm. speaks for itself like obviously i think the connections i made to it like helped but i do think 
just the title, his little introduction, and the way the music moves got me through it enough, especially with, like the sort of dirges at the end. It really is mm-hmm. the sort of build to something. Yeah. It almost feels just so aggressively and purposefully anti commercial in a way mm-hmm. that is cool, if not yeah. maybe not totally successful. You have to wonder, like, when someone is just making something that's like so successful, if their attempts to make something that will feel more artistic will always just feel almost like done in spite of their other work. Uh-huh. Um yeah. this feels kind of close to that, but yeah. It also just remains so unique and interesting in form that it's like I don't know I can't can't discount it. Yeah, yeah. I it's just like it's interesting to think about for me as somebody who is so disconnected from a world where I would even be like, oh yeah, I'm going to the orchestra to go listen to music. You know, that is not something that it that I think beyond like two or three years ago I ever even thought was like a thing I would want to do at all like it it always just seemed you know typically stuffy to me (laughs) and so it does help for you to say that and we have to consider just like yeah i guess like more more commercial classical music would probably be something that is more bombastic and it's like really like oh i came here i paid and i'm gonna get like a big show Mm -hmm. versus something like this which is such such like there is some bombast but then there is a thing cutting through it and it's not it like communicates both and neither the intimacy of just like a piano composition and like a bombastic string score at the same time. And that sort of contrast is what is interesting about it. Yeah. I also think anxiety as like a subject is like interesting like as a musical subject especially like and i do think like in some of these other works that we're going to talk about today like that is like i feel like a consistent theme that bernstein is is sort of examining like i i definitely feel a certain amount of anxiety in the on the waterfront score and and throughout parts of candide and and things like that like it is like it is an interesting like I I think it's a it's an interesting and it's like of the time like capturing anxiety at that time in the world is like a really like yeah. interesting artistic project I think. Yeah. Plus like it feels like yes. Yeah, just like New York in that era also just like a product of where he's like living and being even though I know some of this stuff wasn't necessarily composed in New York by him some he was obviously a person who traveled yeah, and I mean the the sort of musical representation of anxiety is maybe like where he is more specifically in tune with the sort of other things going on in music that uh, he wasn't as explicitly connected to. Like that very much feels like a what everyone was doing for like fifty years. Yeah, yeah. Whether you are. Uh, you know popular music or conceptual or whatever so are we moving on to the next one yeah. we can move on sure. on the waterfront now um so this colin, is 1950 colin hates on the waterfront <laughs> the movie is not good i i listened to the score I the first movie is fine i watched I, it last night and i liked it a lot 
but I really think we don't need to like, talk about the movie. Half of the performance. Of the I movie think we suck. totally <laughs> have to talk about the movie. It's like part of the movie. I mean, I, I, think yeah. the, I, I listened to the score in isolation first and I yeah, was like, too. this is so good. This is like telling the whole story. I need to see the movie. I need to see it in action. And then it's just like <laughs> every <laughs> Brando sucks so bad. I could not believe how bad he is in that movie. Really? Yeah, wow. terrible. Oh, and it's just like good. him. Like, That's the one where all he could have been a contender, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Carl Malden also, I think, very bad. And like, he's my favorite. Oh, he's so good in the movie. <laughs> Lee J. Cobb, I think, is great, and Rod Steiger's very good. But everyone else is just like, I think, doesn't work. And I think the score overpowers the movie with like, I think, with the performances trying to be like eight different things from everyone who's doing them. It all just is like at odds with itself, and like the score is the only good thing, really. Like I don't even, I feel like you know Kazan's trying to do like the eyes and same thing, and like show the faces, and I'm just like rolling my eyes. I don't give a <laughs> shit, really. And then, but otherwise, I'm just like li- truly listening to it was a great experience, and I was just yeah. like, I, you know, all the titles are like telling you like what each thing, uh, the t- the track titles are telling you like what is happening and it's just like yeah i can picture everything happening basically through the music and it i think could work maybe as like a silent film with the score but uh otherwise <laughs> not but uh, i mean the, the score i think uh yeah is great the score is amazing i think like no other film score sounds like this well, the one that reminded me of, I rewatched uh, Chinatown recently, and that oh, I sure. think a lot of like super like, I think there's a moment in On the Waterfront, I could be misremembering, where like a huge like harp comes in and it's just like, whoa. And then uh, that happens a lot in um, the Chinatown score, which is just like such a lush, like, but also that, that, that stress and that fear that is in On the, on the Waterfront as well. Yeah. It was I crazy am... to inflict the score on a fourteen-year-old. Is sort of how I feel, but <laughs> sure, I, I that's that is that's crazy. Yeah, I do think the score is kind of bigger than the movie ultimately. Mm-hmm. And when they play the score in Maestro, which to my memory is like quite early on, it almost makes me well, be like, sure. we should have just plugged the score into a couple other movies to see which one <laughs> it works best on. Oh, not to go back to <laughs> Angel of Anxiety. The other thing that it reminded me of was the Phantom Thread score. Mm. Um, especially, like, in those those early scenes with, like, Vicky Creeps talking to Brian Gleason or whatever, where it's just, like, it is very stringy and very just, like, creating that, that anxious mood. And I think, I mean, it, it works well in the, the symphony, obviously. Mm-hmm. But those were the sort of, like, touch points that I had with it. But uh, yeah, On the Waterfront is a uh, bad movie, great score. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it is, I think I'm, I'd be so curious, like what made him want to compose the, or like, how did he, like, how did this happen? That this is like the only like film score that he wrote that was like, didn't like, you know, originate elsewhere or whatever. Like what, what, what made him like agree to do that? Why did he, why did he find that is an interesting place to like, as to do you know, to do co- composition work and all that. Like that's, that, that is a, a big question for me. I'm like very curious about it. Um, did he, Cause he didn't do, did he do any other straight movie scores? No, Just this like, is the only one. This is the only yeah. one. Um, I mean, I don't know much about the sort of the composition of the score. I know that 
again, Copeland, who is basically like his mentor and teacher and guide, who's, you know, to 20 years his senior, was always just like, do not go Hollywood. Like, it's almost kind of bad enough that you're doing musicals, but do not go full (laughs) Hollywood. Because, like, I think the thing was, like, once you're out in L.A., you will you will never come back. You will never get anything done. Mm -hmm. They will pay you a lot of money, but you will not get this stuff done. So I don't know how and why this one did happen other than maybe just like he did finally need the money but Mm. he was just constant the people in his life who are not you know comden and green were always just like do not do this (laughs) this is like the last (laughs) thing that you need to do uh and he had all his famous friends who were always Mm -hmm. like you should come do more movie stuff but sure, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's easy for me to imagine that, like, Kazan would just be like, you stay in New York and do your own thing and do this on your terms, and it doesn't have to lead to anything else also. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it is, you know, I do think about the, the Sondheim parallels where Sondheim does, you know, two movies with Warren Beatty and then... Uh, um, Renee movie. And then, right, yeah, Stavisky, um, which... <sighs> We're still looking to acquire the rights to that, by the way. I hear <laughs> yeah, and he wants to own it outright. <laughs> uh, so that we can get a proper release in the United States. Um, We're going to put it in a thousand screens. <laughs> yeah. The la- uh, yeah. The last update we had on that, I believe, was that the rights are currently owned by the, in the U.S., are owned by the distributor who uh, puts out S. Craig Zoller's movie. Sure. <laughs> um, I'll, you know, I'll roll up my sleeves and work with them, I guess, if Andy I will break break bread um but yeah i uh i do think like yeah and and it is like it is an interesting piece of scoring because like you know it is there's like it it, when the music enters into the movie i think is often like so interesting of like it is often crashes in dramatically right it often is like a all of a sudden there's a da-da, like like there's a big sort of um a, a announcement of like we're, we're we're putting the score in here right there's not a ton of like sort of just like underscoring the emotions it's like the score is really like is is inserting itself in a, in a very distinctive way um and i i'm not sure bernstein could have d- worked in any other way in film i'm not sure he could have really like done a ton of like oh we're just gonna like lightly accentuate the comedy or whatever sort of like work um he he probably needed to 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 push himself to the forefront of things to some degree um but yeah it's it is uh you know i i had the same uh order of of cullen of listening to the score first purely and then watch and listening to the score without really like having a super clear idea of like the content of the movie and i was trying not to look at the track titles and stuff so i was i did a couple of times see them or whatever when i was like checking how far in i was or whatever but i tried to just experience it as music first and then i watched the movie last night um and it yeah it it is it does yeah have you know, there's there's a couple of those moments of like comedy or whatever where it's like smash cut to the bridal march or whatever, like that sort of <laughs> thing, uh, that you that really stick out and list when just listening to the score. Um, but yeah, it it is uh it it is uh, a full character in the movie. I would say to use a, a cliche, yeah, it's sort of when, when, the no, movie totally. when characters around it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any more recent like this is a classical composer who's gonna pop into film because we've obviously got all of the like 
Reznor and Ross and Greenwood or whatever. Sure, do a bunch yeah, of stories, sure. But they're like I feel like the, there's all the glass the, stuff, obviously. Yeah, Philip Glass. Sure. I mean the, I think the, uh, the lady who won the Oscar for Joker had done not. Yeah. Oh, Hilda. That, that's yeah, more Hilda. like. Yeah. What did she do recently? Talk. Uh, talking. She did women talking. Women talking. Uh, but there's one and, this year. Am I? Oh, this year. Maybe. I mean, oh, she did, of lot. course, Haunting in Venice. Sorry. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh brother. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I was like, Mika, why was I pissed off about finding she did some scores? Like, Mika oh, yeah, Levy plays is, Doyle. is sort of in this realm. Oh, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, who um, are the, like... Yeah. I mean, don't I guess... We really have, if, like, if, Rachel like, Portman in concert or... Yeah, um, right. Alexandra Desplat in concert. Though, like... I mean, like, I don't know what... Um, Terrence Blanchard was more doing first. I know I like see like oh he's doing something at the Kennedy Center now, but right. Well, and yeah. I feel it is so often it is the stuff now where it is like we will screen the movie and have a live orchestral accompany. Yeah. that's like so much where mm-hmm. film music lives on in in concert halls is like where we're uh-huh. gonna we're gonna create this sort of hybrid experience. Oh, you know who is also a composer of regular regular ass classical music is Michael Abels, who does all the Jordan yes. Peele stuff. Um, okay. Yeah, and Corey Finley. We talked about last week. He did the landscape with invisible hand score. Oh yeah, how is that? Good movie. I like Corey Finley. Nice and- yeah. yeah. It's it's a sweet little movie. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it is yeah, and it is yeah. This. I, it says, uh, for some reason, it was brought back to my mind back when, when House of Cards was a big deal. I can't remember. I kept seeing po- like online ads for like the music of House of Cards in context. And I, that in, in so context. bad. And I was like, why would anyone there's... want to go see that? Yeah. Like, there's like nothing to that score. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now now there's all this like obviously the iconic ending of Tar, but like all sure. the video games yes. stuff yes. that happened. There's right. more of that. So funny. I would love to attend one of those video yeah. game concert movies. I know that people say the the, the the Zelda one is like kind of lit. Sure, y- you know, movies. yeah. Mm-hmm. I know there was a Metal Gear one. I would have gone to that. The Metal Gear like orchestral music is like weird. That's not really what I associate with Metal Gear. But, you know. Yeah, video game scores. I don't really think about ever. No. The Zelda ones are obviously good. Yeah, the Zelda ones. I mostly know. Keep thinking about how Death Stranding was like all like Sigur Rós music. I mean, we can't get into a Hideo Kojima tangent. Okay, <laughs> okay. You all should review Death Stranding, the first Stranding. That'd be a game. great idea. Right. Oh yeah, the game's talking about the age of anxiety. I tried to play that and was like, okay, I guess I still don't like video games. I tried to play it. I was like, I can't deal with it. Too scary. Yeah. No, not They're chasing even too me. Scary. I'm too loud. It's too hard. Sure. Yeah, that's also part of it. Yeah, me and me and the Colin, and we'll find a fourth person who can play video games. We'll we'll do the well, Kojima. I mean, it's amazing. Kojima. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can talk about his Twitter feed. His friend, <laughs> oh boy, <Nicholas> <laughs> I don't know. Is he is he making games for? Uh, is that true? Death Stranding two. Uh, smartphones. No. Oh yeah, he's making <laughs> he's making Death Stranding available for the new iPhone or whatever. Oh okay. <laughs> That'd be yeah. a great way. To- yeah, yeah the, because the new iPhone, they're, they're, they're trying to be like, oh, we have actual games on it, so they're playing like Resident Evil. I really and, did like, not respect I, and stuff. Picturing someone holding um, an iPhone, Nicholas like melting their hands. 
so and I hot. thought, you know what? My f- entire thumb guy. over Norman Reedus. <laughs> uh, I I think I felt the exact same way as I already did about both. Yeah, sure. the same yes, feeling okay. about. Yeah, uh, Conan Edgar is kind of crazy in there. Who are also in Death Stranding. <laughs> Yeah, Conan O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, Andy. There's a lot of celebrity cameos. He like, like uh, Mountain Dew or like yeah, no, he's, he's acting. So I feel like I maybe respect Guillermo del Toro slightly less based on that performance. No, he's he he sold the game. He's dead man. In the trailer, it's all him holding the baby. Um, wow, he should get I Lars remember in this training, too. Twitter feed in like 2014 where all he could tweet about was the movie Nymphomaniac by Lars von Trier. <laughs> I mean, he loves Lars. He's He'd have to go he's to like, Denmark. He's a huge fan. It's like a, a thing I talk to nobody about because there's nobody with like the right like confluence of people. But if you watch the cutscenes for the last Metal Gear Solid game, they are very much like, oh, this is a guy who watched a bunch of Lars von Trier like yeah. handheld camera. Yes, I was going to say a lot of like the quick zooms and things <laughs> like that are very like shaky cami as well. Maybe yeah, that's the one for me then. Yeah, you should play that, yeah, Phantom that game. Is insane. <laughs> that game is insane to play. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll watch. As you're back video into video games, video. it's like I have zero idea what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, but back to on the waterfront. I listened to the score. It did nothing for me. Every time I think about on the waterfront, I for I take ten minutes and then I realize I was thinking about a streetcar named Desire instead. <laughs> sure, that's sure. that's my relationship with on the. Yeah, waterfront. I was more just also just listening to it and was like, yeah, this feels like an above average film mm. score. Yeah. And then when I when I realize I'm thinking about a streetcar named Desire, I realize I'm thinking about a streetcar named Marge instead. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really scared My to ever see Cape Fear because I really um, think of like, course really? <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm just gonna. Uh... It's like, so and it's. Good. I've also seen Simpsons play like several Cape, yeah, times. Cape like, the, the it is so over Simpsons for me. And, like really that is canonical material. <laughs> but. Yeah, I guess that's kind of a good pitch. Yeah, it does feel like a Simpsons episode directed by Martin Scorsese. The movie. It's so wacky. It's so... It's insane. That's if, pure... If that, you should do that instead of the Jesus movie. You should be like, I really want to explore... Yeah, I want to direct Simpsons. I, I, really, I really understand the pathos of Sideshow Bob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are, Is are the we... rake things in yeah, the Yeah, let's talk Candide. It sounds like we're ready to talk about Candide, maybe. Is <laughs> maybe the vibe I'm picking up on. Listen, that's fair, but also the rakes thing is the best joke of all time. Candide is it's really great. fun. No beef with the rakes. Um, no, no one. Uh, Candide is fun. I like Candide. Candide's yeah. great. Yeah. It's really fun. That's It's like reading the wikipedia page it is like a very fascinating thing to have existed yeah Mm -hmm. we adapted voltaire for a new generation but then we Mm -hmm. ripped a bunch of the stuff out of it during 19 levels of adaptation yeah you're uh you're you're you saying andy oh well if you listen to the original broadway cast recording you won't get all the revisions and i looked through and was like well all these revisions made it longer that's true start at the beginning Yeah. yeah um there's yeah so yeah candide 
I, I referenced this earlier. There's the, the sort of the legend is he was writing Candide at the same time as he was writing West Side Story, and like so I think there's like music. I think you can tell that, that shifted between the two. I feel um, pretty. You feel a lot in uh, which one is it? What's the use? Mm. I was like all throughout that song. I kept thinking of I feel pretty. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and and, and it is like. It's a, it is yet another different form because it is an operetta, which is like yeah. an interesting thing to be writing uh, at a time when operettas are really like going out of or have gone out of fashion. Like it's it they've sort of, you know, it has been replaced by the musical comedy and, you know, or, yes. the, or the serious book mm-hmm. musical. Um, and so doing something that sort of can live in opera houses or in theater houses like, you know, is 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 an interesting thing to do. Um, and especially, you know, as a comedy, I, I think I read Voltaire Candide in high school. I don't remember it super clearly. Like I, it was a super small, like a really, really thin volume with like extremely short chapters. I don't know if it was some sort of adaptation or the actual thing. Um, but then I, you know, it, the 2004, I think New York Philharmonic, concert that was filmed mm-hmm. uh was my first exposure to candide and like that one is it's out on dvd like you can still watch it i i borrowed it from the library and rewatched it for this it has um christian chenoweth as kunigonda uh right when she was like breaking big off of wicked like it's like her biggest star moment um and patty lapone yeah, plays I, the old I woman just have um, the uh the original principal cast section of wikipedia up here and voltaire on the second broadway revival was jim dale yes um well he's yeah he's a big old school song and dancer sure. he was, he's he's uh broadway's barnum of course mm. um uh but yeah it's it it is like can, the thing about candy i feel like it's it's a little exhausting it's a little relentless it's like mm-hmm. the structure of it is like in that it is like an episodic like picaresque or whatever like it's gonna be inherently uneven there's no way to do that and have <laughs> everything be like a high but i do think the actual highs in it are like some of the most transcendent stuff that he ever did um you know glitter and be gay is of course like is i feel like the most iconic and well-known well i guess the overture is the most iconic and well-known piece of music from from candide uh, i tune in uh, of course Not the theme week. song for live from lincoln center as we all know uh, when we tune in every week to watch live from lincoln center oh, um, good, i'm always uh, late i'm always like oh absolutely <laughs> i not no not every week but uh is audra still hosting i hope she is um uh sure <laughs> right yeah um uh yeah i well i and i do love when they do the da 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 da, and it's the the fountain uh splash uh at lincoln center uh during the opening of life in lincoln center but um but yeah uh glitter me gay of course Uh, no one is still hosting because it has been suspended indefinitely since 2019 (laughs) yeah i wonder what happened (laughs) (laughs) um uh but famously like barbara cook kind of i i i think she had already had she already done music man i think she must have but she sort of was it was like a a big moment for her when she like debuted and glitter and be gay is like an incredibly difficult song to sing and it is like so uh challenging for like a soprano to do um and then um i do think like yeah the the best of all possible worlds is so fun and like jaunty and exciting and then the finale make our garden grow is just so so beautiful and like overwhelming um 
uh, and yeah, and I'm going to do a brief, a, a, one more brief tangent on the uh, Kennedy Center honors. But the um, the the Barbara Cook Kennedy Center Honor uh, tribute is probably the best one they've ever done. It's so incredible. They have, like, Ugh. it's the one where Glenn Close sings "Losing My Mind" and Anne Hathaway. If you've ever seen the GIF of Anne Hathaway, like applauding and crying as the mm-hmm. lights come up on her, that's what that's from. That's her responding to uh, Glenn you, Close singing "Losing yeah. My Mind." You should you should come down here and we should uh, <laughs> let, get them to crash uh, the Kennedy trick, Center yeah, Honors. No, no, we should trick them into letting us cover it. Is press. Oh boy. <laughs> I. Boy. My. Dream dreams, right? <laughs> one, yeah, I know. God. Does Spot Bill Erdwin in the audience <laughs> see him applauding yeah, live in person? Tell them yeah, Andy's not looking at him. He's in the crowd the whole time. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the Barbara Cook tribute is, is perhaps the best ever. And the, the if there's one thing the Kennedy Center Honors tributes love, it's a surprise choir. It's to just end with the reveal of there's been a choir backstage the entire time and now they're going to sing. And at that, it's like all these ladies. It's Audra McDonald. It's Rebecca Luker. It's Sutton Foster. It's Patti Lapone. It's, it's, uh, it is, uh, um, Glenn Close. It's all these incredible women who each sing their own tribute to, uh, Barbara Cook. And then the whole, the thing comes back and it is just a giant chorus singing the end of Make Your Garden Grow. And just the moment when, like, the orchestra cuts out and it's just pure choral power and they're singing uh, Make Her Garden Grow. Like, it cuts, and that's also the Kennedy Center Honors where they honored Meryl Streep and so it cuts to her and she's like wiping tears from her face in the box <laughs> and uh, it's so good. If you haven't ever seen that, the, the, the Barbara Cook Kennedy Center Honors, it's well worth 10 minutes of your time. That that finale is so good in Candy. Yeah. Like, the, the ending with that uh, is so, so good. It reminded me of... Uh, yeah, you know, Mahler will sometimes not end to, with a big not to encourage perpetual mm. rewrites, but I do sort of think if he'd kept going on Candide, he could have really he's unlocked it. But I also think it's like sort of a victim of its time, where adaptation mm-hmm. was like only just starting to be like a really Cracked sort it, of yeah. experimental yeah. form <laughs> unto itself. Um, I almost think of Candide as like a precursor to like a N- Natasha Pierre. Uh, mm-hmm. Comet of 1812 kind of thing of like we're gonna do this big heady piece of adaptation but adjust it to fit kind of contemporary mm. style and sure. I think what makes that show so genius in a lot of ways is that it's not trying to like you know do the whole thing it's like we're not making mm-hmm. more in peace the musical it's like we're gonna really limit this and I don't think what anyone thinks is like the great right. part of Candide is like the scope of Candide right it's really just that like pages. when it's hitting like, it's yeah. hitting and <laughs> it doesn't have to be what's not hitting but I I do think it no exists sure. as this like perfect intersection yeah. in the Venn diagram of Bernstein's more like experimental contemporary work as well as his just like this he loved the theater who can blame him Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I should listen to the revised version. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, right. There's so many like you could lose years of your life like tracking down every different version of Candide there is to listen to or experience. <laughs> um I do think that concert version is like a pretty good cuz it does give you like the full story and like Yeah. There's a weird like Trump joke in it and stuff for 2004 uh and like it's Whoa. yeah it, uh, it uh which kind of nails it it kind of gets him exactly right. <laughs> um but also like yeah some you know 
Candide as like a piece of satire is a little bit tricky too because there's so much like legitimately awful stuff that happens to the characters that it yeah. presents with this gloss because <coughs> that's like what the satire is is like everyone has this attitude that like it's the best of all possible worlds and everything is happening for the best even when it is like the most awful shit imaginable yeah that like put through it i feel like works very well probably on the page but when you put it up in performance and like performers are like charming you and making you laugh while like they're like and then she was raped twice or whatever like the tension there is tough to mine in like a popular audience format i think sure. uh, and i don't think it always nails it um but i mean and i do like i do think like yeah the under well the underlying satirical message too is like still pretty interesting and timely and all that even if it uh, doesn't always like super work in a in a performance format yeah 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 songs like quiet very funny yeah, I am realizing it is interesting that you place these in chronological order, Andy, because that is not the order that I listened to them sure. in, but it is the order of increasing. I don't really know what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think even like a decade ago, thinking about Bernstein in the abstract, it would surprise me that he has anything where I'm like, what is going on with this one? <laughs> because my impression of him is such a populist figure mm-hmm. that he would want sure. you know everyone to right. get everything he's gonna explain it to the children like how he's it gonna works or explain whatever, it right. to the children uh but i think even his like obsession with Mahler, like Mahler is not really a for everyone composer i think Mahler got like sure. kind of reclaimed as a for everyone composer yes, yes. uh mm-hmm. but like i don't know i used to really hate Mahler, and now i sort of have this begrudging respect but well, I think Mahler like goes i'm not like he's not even one of my first five guys i'm going to if i'm like choosing sure. to put something on but yeah. i don't know maestro there's it's very maestro. little it's about any maestro. of this really in the movie sure. they don't really touch on candide no is... there's no candide can, can i ask is sondheim a character at all sondheim is like in there and sort of like background okay of there's, all the there's no of... no one of note plays him or anything right no <laughs> okay like as most the most collaborator you kind of get at any one point is like yeah. Comden and Green. Sure, of course. For like maybe a scene and a half, and you get like a little bit more. I think you get more Jerome Robbins than you do Sondheim. The Sondheim sure. is I mean, almost more sense. winky. I mean, it's really just a sure. lot of him and he's like Carrie right. Mulligan. He's doing he's crazy the post cre- sometimes yeah. the post credits tease in a, in a maestro movie i think <laughs> and, and he's really trying to and he's yeah. really trying to figure out why he didn't get that call back just hoping they cut the character entirely <laughs> i would <laughs> never i'm not worthy what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> jeremy strong shot material for the movie or if it was just a like maybe he will be in it and then it never happened i think he was never in like okay gonna, yeah I think they're just buddies or whatever. Buddies, sure. Sure. Uh, He interviewed them for Armageddon Time, right, Cooper? Yeah, I think it's this greater circle of, like, corny-minded New York actors. Mm -hmm. You know, like Chastain. Saving this industry, yeah. Yeah, Michelle Williams. I think, I truly do think kind of saving the industry, but I think they're all friends, like, for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People uh, whose dream is to do the elephant man. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that is like, <laughs> I've been thinking about that so much. I'm just like, he did that, and I feel like that is his brain is what he thinks is good. <laughs> and that's how he makes None of movies. you saw that, did you? 
No. Elephant Man? No. Some, I've, I've seen the pictures. I recently <laughs> spoke to someone who saw the Bradley Cooper Elephant Man, and they were like, sure. it was totally insane, but like, it was very moving. It is quite right. good. He, but I right, think yeah. that- <laughs> It was like his passion project, like, forever, right? You saw it, like, as a young kid or whatever. And, like, yeah. also, like, the craziness of it is sort of, like, inherent to the piece, because everyone plays it that way. Like, it's not, it is yeah. in the text that you do not wear makeup to play the Elephant Man or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. some of that was, some of that was a little bit uh, unfair, like, Bradley Cooper is crazy, and more like, this piece of theater is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, but that one image that makes the rounds is still, <laughs> it's, yes, it's never not it's very funny. funny. <laughs> and yeah. I think yes. that's that's the maestro thing too it's like if we're treating this in extreme isolation it is like the dumbest craziest hollywood brain shit of all time but i love his hollywood brain because i like hollywood you know yeah (laughs) there's a great uh insane clip of uh bradley cooper promoting elephant man on broadway on jimmy fallon and it's like this famous clip because they're both wearing fake eagle's visors with like fake guy fieri hair talking about the elephant man and yeah, it's they like can't stop laughing they can't stop laughing and it's like a 12 minute clip of them just laughing and they had to cut it and it was like only on youtube and it's one of these things that just like lives in my brain it's like what an odd thing that they just is were, like, it still on there oh yeah oh, it's like yeah. i think 12 minutes and 50 seconds of them just like crying laughing talking about like yeah. all the like bone problems the elephant man had and it's just like <laughs> Jimmy um, Fallon obviously is the Jimmy Fallon of it all, but sure. it's, a, it's a funny one. Uh, I will, of course, guy. also always take any opportunity I can to plug Bradley Cooper telling Stephen Colbert the story of Steven Spielberg telling him he's going to direct Maestro, sure. uh, which is a really crazy story um, and really, really, I think, well told and does really get to the heart of how crazy Bradley Cooper is uh, on, on, on on The Late Show with, with Colbert. Yeah, we're just going to, now he's the time so is like, we've talked about enough Bernstein, we're just going to talk about our favorite Bradley Cooper memes. <laughs> I love the one of him at the tennis match where he's like looking very angrily at arena shake anything from limitless you know <laughs> oh yeah i've spoken i've i've mentioned maybe not on podcast that i saw, i saw him once on the street my craziest right, yes. maybe my craziest sighting uh yeah yeah we just both got off the same one train and i was like not huh? totally sure and we sort of like you know crossed paths and i turned around to look just to be like would the back of him reveal to me that it is Bradley Cooper, and then he was wearing a Joker production hat and filled and eagles and an Eagles branded like zip up, and I was like, "Well, that that is undeniably who that is." He is not incognito right now. No, <laughs> yeah, <a> Joker hat. <laughs> I mean, um, that almost feels like it was maybe somebody wearing a Bradley right, Cooper Halloween yeah. costume on July 31st. I mean, this he was, was during, holding like, a copy of Lolita. Star is Born. Maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, one of my craziest, yeah. craziest spots. Right. That and Patricia Clarkson, you know. Whoa, Being what was Patty up to? She's a a middle aged married couple had stopped her for a photo, and she was really giving them the time of day. She was really just like nice. listening to them. I was like, this is so nice. <laughs> Good for her. She looks so beautiful. Yeah. I was like, I'm... who is this beautiful woman? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we all think. Uh, we would, we could all be friends with Bradley Cooper, right? He would like all of us. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, Jesse, you might not like him enough. To you be go to a baseball him. game with him, Jesse, probably, or would That's that be intolerable? I was <laughs> I was just thinking that I feel like it's a loss of culture that Bradley Cooper is not a 
uh, frequent comedy bang bang guest. I feel like you must sure. Be, like, oh yeah, half right. a beat away because like being you must John know Hamm, all those like, people, yeah, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, or even like like I'm. I was well, even, I mean, like, through, like, David Wayne and... Yeah, he's in... I mean, right, the Wet Hot stuff. He was replaced by Adam Scott in the Wet Hot sequel. The third one. Oh, he's so good in the sequel. He is great in... Where he's just standing there. Yeah. I mean, he's really good in Dungeons of Dragons. Sure. Sure, yeah, that's a great little scene. He's a little guy. I guess. Like, why is he there, you know? He's so silly. Who's? He's probably friends with... John Francis there, Daly? Everybody, every, yeah. Everybody's too much for right, I'm tired of this like... fucking cameo shit. We need to get a, get a Sure, I mean, right. I mean, all, there yeah. is the relief that it's not Ryan Reynolds or whatever. But, I get uh, it. I was like, is he a Dungeons & Dragons guy? I, he hasn't, I don't feel like he's talked about it. You know, I don't think so, so, but it's like, why is, past him. why is he is in there not, in it? Right, there's no, no. Manginello, and he's like Hollywood's... But I feel like that's yeah. bad blood, because he was trying to make a movie, yeah. and now they made one without him or whatever. I worry about him. Um, yeah, he got divorced now. <laughs> yeah, he he's got like, divorced. He's on the, on he the bought bed. a big acrylic table. YouTube Shorts told me this. <laughs> that thing's acrylic, not going to last. That thing's crazy. <laughs> he spent like $200,000 on that table. It looks so good. <laughs> what? Yeah, but yeah. This, or it's like epoxy tables, right? They're like made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, with like it's, fantasy it's maps. Like... It's like, what if you made a fantasy map at the start of a book into a huge table that like 15 yeah. people could sit behind? And it's, it's a beautiful. It's not table. gonna last. It's gonna <laughs> it's not, last. Those things aren't built to last. <laughs> yeah. On the would Bradley Cooper be your friend front? I feel like living in Puerto Rico enough has given me the sense that people who love talking like being friends with me. So I think I would be friends <laughs> with Bradley Cooper. Mm. I always think about something i haven't even listened to which is when ben affleck went on the smartless podcast to promote air <laughs> mm-hmm. he sure. he did, colin did you tell me this he said the maestro no, script no, is no. the smartest script he's ever read and when i watched the movie i thought yeah that probably is the smartest script that ben affleck has ever read smart yeah. smart i can't I'm fall my- into smartless it's gonna it'll it'll take over my life i cannot give it it's mostly terrible but the, yeah, the bradley cooper episode is great but i think because yeah. like will arnett is like his best friend or whatever yeah, yeah. i just i jason bateman is like one of those guys i fully hate <laughs> so i can get into yeah. it TikTok it's like the is always serving me yeah. like clips from the documentary that they made about them on tour and bateman <laughs> is always yeah. being so profoundly hateful to the other two in a way where i was like yeah. this can't be long-term sustainable as a business model where one guy is just so mean they're making, so yeah. <laughs> they're making so it's much like, money. They're making so much money. They're Hanover Fist. Uh, the bit I was listening to recently is a, is, a, is on Smartless. They were interviewing Bill Simmons and they asked him why he decided to cover sports instead of play sports. <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. This is like. Did he have an insightful <laughs> answer to that question? <laughs> no, he was baffled by that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was just it's like, funny Look that Bill me. Simmons is like, what? <laughs> For, to, to stump him. <laughs> to Sean Hayes' terrible question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy to find someone like worse at podcasting than himself. <laughs> oh, God, that's such one of my favorite piece of podcasting is uh, the beginning of the Bill Simmons episode where he has PTA on to talk about licorice pizza and he spends the first like 10 minutes asking a rambly question and at the end PDA is just like it's very interesting how your brain works I don't think I heard a question in there (laughs) 
awesome. But he's like, like but PTA is like, like why didn't you get someone famous for a lot of time? You should have got Sydney Sweeney. <laughs> but yeah. PTA is like genuinely charmed by it. He's like, it's sure, very sure. funny. Yeah. All right. Cooper obviously great in Licorice Pizza as well. Disagree. Okay, I, that's okay. Yeah. Wow. We, I think it's time for us to wrap this yes, up. It sounds like we would agree. I hope Cooper gets to go on Mark Marin. That's sort of where I'd like to leave this. Ooh, yeah. The sad strike such, ends in time. That would be for the the Jeremy Strong episode of Marin of this year. Yeah, I mean, he made the most Mark Marin core movie of all time. Yeah, that's Star- true. Star- yeah. Mark Marin. Yeah, Mark Marin should be in that. It's sort of crazy. Right, it's yeah. crazy. He is. Yeah, let's do special presentations. Who's got a special presentation? I can go first. I've got one locked and loaded. I feel like it is very much a bit of like being like uh, dessert foods that are different colors, taste different. But I think in a very real way, the introduction of more chemicals to the orange Oreos is like what an Oreo needs. It needs to taste even more fake. And I really, it does hurt my teeth sometimes, but it's a really <laughs> special thing to have around for a month every year. Jesse's like, Oreo was missing with red dye number six. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I've got one. I probably have talked about it before, but just in the spirit of Bernstein, um, you could watch him conducting Mahler 3. Which is so awesome, and that's my favorite so far. Amy? Um, yeah, I, uh... Yeah, I, I, I finished reading, well, the story. I finished reading the story, the, 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 I have a couple of appendixes left, of Dune. I finally finished. It's been, it's been a, a months-long project, uh, lots of stops and starts. But I finally got to the end of the of the story part. I have, I think, two appendixes and a glossary left. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I liked it. I think there's, I'm very, I'm still very bummed of, of the delay of, of part two. Uh, and hope I get to see it soon because there seems like a lot of interesting stuff that I'm interested to see uh, how they attempt to put it on film. Are you going to um, see the Lynch? I probably Lynch should. I probably should watch it at this point now. Um, yeah, the well, Lynch is crazy. Looking. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll see if I can find the time. But uh, yeah, recommend Frank Herbert's Dune. <laughs> Are you going to read the next one? Probably. I, a coworker of mine is reading it and like says it's interesting. So. Uh, I don't know how far I'll go. There's so many of them. Yeah. Um, but uh, are you gonna watch yeah. the episode of Togetherness where they try and make their version? I mean, I've seen it uh, sure, already. So you get them across on the list. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if I don't know if it's time to revisit Togetherness, quite <laughs> frankly. But uh, uh, maybe one of these days it'll be it'll be time. Yeah. Um, I'll do two. Sorry. Uh, I just finished reading Burnham Wood by Eleanor Catton. Which is incredible. Maybe the book of the year. Maybe the book of the past few years. Just a really cool wow. novel uh, that is both like political, but also extremely entertaining and very plotted, which a little too much is vibes-based these days for my liking. Um, I've got that one. Collecting Dust. i got to pick it up. Uh, so there's that. And then I've been drinking... Yeah, I also ordered it based on <laughs> your writing on it, um, Fran Magazine. 
Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it just rocks. My friend Brendan has really been, like, beating this drum for a while, and so I'm really yeah, glad I, I finally, I picked I finally it got to it. I it up after, uh, I think it was his guest post, and was like, I don't understand what this is, but I probably didn't get far enough to hit that point. It's sort of, it sort of is like tumbling down a big hill, that book, where you're mm-hmm. just sort of like, mm-hmm. I'm falling, and then you just gotta, uh-huh. you gotta go with it. It's written uh-huh. in such a crazy way that it, like, sort yeah. of is written like a vibes novel but there's so much going on uh Mm. but then also like they'll fight about like bernie sanders for like 10 pages and you're like what is this uh or like cancel culture (laughs) but in a way that feels like i mean yeah i don't want to give too much away but i feel like my main line of endorsement which go ahead yeah uh oh my other thing i was gonna say is uh i've been drinking some black currant black tea and I used to think fruit fruit based black teas were sort of like for people who want juice, uh, but hot. Not the case. <laughs> loving it, loving it. Great, yeah. great energy to bring to my fall. That's great. Yeah. Um, my plug this week is I have a lot of stuff going on, so I'm going to pick the thing that is sort of the intersection of all that, which is to say that Robbie Robertson's score for Killers of the Flower Moon is my favorite score of the year, and I've been listening to it since I watched the movie, and it's very good. It's a great score. I was trying to think what what score of the year is. Yeah, it sort of of combined my me watching a movie and also me learning guitar eras into one thing. So so that's where I am. Yeah, I mean, like, the May-December score is great, but that's not. That's just adapted from the Legrand score. I'm trying to think if anything else is... Li- I'm sure the I mean, you know, Asteroid yeah, City Asteroid score City's is good. good. The Knock yeah. of the Cabin score is actually one of my favorites. Sure. Yeah. I, just, I didn't want to plug another, like, album I've been listening to <laughs> sure, for another week's sure. so I figured yeah. I'd plug a thing that is still kind of an album, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, great I don't score. think they've put it out, though, yet. Yeah, I guess my other my other plug this week is ultimateguitar.com. <laughs> <laughs> really been really have too many tabs open. Hey. Wow. Too many tabs. We love, too we many love tabs. to have too many tabs. Uh Fran, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank this you was for like such me. a joy. I was so excited mm-hmm. to be able to talk about these things. I love um, talking yeah. about Mr. Maestro. Yes. Uh you, would you like to plug any of your own work? I'll plug Fran magazine and leave it at that. Yes. If you want, certainly, there. if you want more maestro content, all the essential maestro content. There will be more maestro magazine. content to come somehow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the countdown to when <laughs> it comes out. The yeah. countdown to when it's out on Netflix. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, it's going to come out like five different times. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> all right. Well, I think with that. Yep. Andy, uh, do you want to say that it's what our links are? Or? Uh, sh- uh, I-, I will just mention that you can, uh, if you like what you listen to, you can donate to us on coffee, ko-fi.com slash can I. Any donation is always very much appreciated uh, and helps us uh, feel great about keeping doing the show. Um, so true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, right. uh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. I will release our audience. Goodbye. Goodbye.